When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic starts to your week. It is Monday, uh, and uh, we are basically here with Conference Tournament Week. A lot to be excited about if you are a college basketball fan, or if, like a lot of people, this is when you become a college basketball fan every year, just in time for the Conference Tournament. You kind of pay casual attention until now. And the next three or four weeks, you're going to be all in. This is a fantastic time of the year. I want to say thank you to everyone who came out to our Houston event. Uh, I believe the max number of people that were allowed in, 1,200 or so, we hit that number. And then I think we went a little bit above it. It was a phenomenal event. We're going to be doing more events uh, with the Clay and Buck Show around the country. Uh, We had a great turnout in Fort Myers, Florida. And now we've had a great event in Houston as well. Going to be coming to a city near you uh, throughout the spring and the summer as we jump around from one location to another. But just want to say again, thank you for all of the support that you guys have been showing us all over the country. And uh, I appreciate all of you. And thanks to Houston, which is historically one of our three biggest outkick markets. Uh, Houston, Atlanta, and Nashville uh, for years and years have been the three biggest markets for us on OutKick. I haven't checked them again lately, but I'm sure that's still the case. So uh, I love the city of Houston and appreciate all of you there. Uh, All right, got a bunch to dive into. Serious sports stories. uh, Sorry, serious stories in the world. Not so serious sports stories, but I'm fired up with this question. A lot of discussion right now about Aaron Rodgers and what choice he is going to make. And there have been multiple reports out there uh, that Aaron Rodgers has effectively four options that he is considering. Can't vouch that this is 100% true, but these have been the reports that are out there. One of them, obviously, is that Aaron Rodgers would return to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, And if that happens... That is an intriguing storyline to follow. We'll see whether Devontae Adams comes back. We'll see what the Green Bay Packers do about the long-range trajectory of that franchise, how many years they commit to Aaron Rodgers and more. Then there are three other AFC teams that have reportedly been on Aaron Rodgers' consideration. The Green Bay Packers, obviously, to stay in the NFC. Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC. Tennessee Titans and the Denver Broncos. Okay, so if Aaron Rodgers is going to leave Green Bay, and you can make an argument that he shouldn't leave Green Bay, right? So I'm saying if he is leaving Green Bay, Tennessee Titans are the best choice by far. Let me explain why, okay? First of all, in Denver, if you go and join the Broncos, you are going to be competing against Patrick Mahomes in the AFC West. You're going to be competing against Justin Herbert in, uh, the, uh, in the L.A. Chargers. And theoretically, the Raiders are not a disaster team either. You're going to be competing against Derek Carr and the Raiders. 
that is arguably the best division in the AFC. Even if Aaron Rodgers goes and joins the Denver Broncos, the Broncos would not, in my opinion, be favored to win that division because you would still have to get past Kansas City Chiefs, the LA Chargers, and the Oakland Raiders. That is six super difficult games, even with the Denver Broncos. So I don't think that it makes sense for Aaron Rodgers to leave the Packers and go to Denver. Okay, what about Pittsburgh Steelers? AFC North, pretty solid division. You're going to have to get past Joe Burrow. You're going to have to get past Lamar Jackson. You're going to have to get past whoever uh, the, uh, presuming that the Browns are going to stick with Baker Mayfield. The AFC North is a very difficult division, okay? What about Tennessee Titans? Look at the rest of the division. I always start all of my analysis by saying, okay, will you be the favorite? Are you likely to win your division? Think about right now how weak the quarterbacks are in the AFC South. You've got an unproven Trevor Lawrence. You've got an unproven Davis Mills, or Trevor Lawrence obviously with the Jags, Davis Mills obviously with uh, the Houston Texans. Both of those guys were rookies last year. And you've got right now the Indianapolis Colts who are not happy at all with Carson Wentz and the Colts faded down the stretch run. Aaron Rodgers would definitely win the AFC South for the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are a substantial favorite to win their third straight division title even with Ryan Tannehill. Think about what Aaron Rodgers could do with Derrick Henry, with A.J. Brown, and with, uh, theoretically, Julio Jones. That is an incredible trio of talent for Aaron Rodgers to have to work with. So if Aaron Rodgers is going to leave the Green Bay Packers, just thinking about this purely from a rational perspective, and this is, by the way, assuming the Titans would trade away Ryan Tannehill and they would have to trade away a couple of their first-round picks in order to make Aaron Rodgers happen, If he is going to leave, and that's the same kind of uh, offer that the Denver Broncos or the Pittsburgh Steelers would have to make or any other team that is potentially trading for Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, the leverage there is Rodgers could say, hey, if I don't get traded to the team that I want to go to, then I am going to go ahead and retire and you're not going to get any assets for me at all. So I do think he can decide which team he wants to go to and help to direct what the Green Bay Packers are able to do. If that is accurate, and the three AFC teams are the Steelers, the Broncos, and the Titans, it is a no-brainer that Aaron Rodgers should go to the Titans. He can win that division easily for the next several years based on Davis Mills, based on Trevor Lawrence, and based on whoever the Colts go with, whether it's Carson Wentz or somebody else. That's the kind of rational Look at the data analysis that you have to make. I believe that Aaron Rodgers going to the Titans would make the Titans one of the favorites, if not the favorite potentially, to win the AFC. If you look at the overall talent, top 10 defense, top 10 offense already, the one place where they are weak is the quarterback position. Ryan Tannehill has not proven to be an elite level difference maker at quarterback That's what the Titans are missing. You can hand off to a 2,000-yard running back in Derrick Henry. You can throw it 
to A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, which is as good of a duo as out there. And then you go get a little bit better help at tight end. This is a big-time offense already with a good defense as well. To me, Aaron Rodgers, if he is going to leave the Green Bay Packers, and news on this could happen at any moment, the Titans is the only choice. All right, let's shift into a completely serious story. All right, why Aaron Rodgers should go to the Titans straight into what in the world are we doing with oil and gas in this country right now. Just before I came on here to do Outkick the Show, news broke that we hit a new all-time gas price high of just over $4.10 a gallon, breaking the previous all-time high from 2008. Now, this is only going to get worse. We had Trish Regan on the Clay and Buck show just a couple of hours ago or an hour ago, I guess. And she said that there's talk of $180 or $200 barrel of gas, right? Right now, the price around $120, $125. It hit $130 yesterday uh, when, the, uh, when the oil markets officially opened in Asia, okay? So, what choices can we make to try to keep the price of oil from skyrocketing? By the way, Trish Regan said if it hits $180 or $200 a barrel, we're talking about $9 a gallon. $9 a gallon gas for everybody all over America. I went and filled up my gas tank yesterday. It cost me $107. Uh, we're over $4 a gallon in Nashville over $5 a gallon for many of you in New York or California where gas prices are particularly high. So, as gas prices are skyrocketing, effectively we have to replace the gas that we are getting from Russia with gas from somewhere else. Otherwise, and by the way, this to the credit of politicians out there, has become a bipartisan agreement. There are lots of Democrats and lots of Republicans that agree that you can't, we started saying this last week on Clay and Buck, but you can't be giving billions of dollars in aid to Ukraine while simultaneously uh, giving tens of millions of dollars a day to Russia for 600,000 barrels of oil, which is what we're doing right now. So we have to replace the Russian oil with oil from somewhere else. Where can we replace it? Well, we could cr- increase oil and gas production in the United States. The great flaw, not surprisingly, of the Biden administration so far is they did not maximize the production of oil and gas and still have not done it because they're concerned about climate zealots in their party and the Green New Deal. And Mayor Pete came out today and said, well, if you're concerned about the price of gas, you should go just buy an electric vehicle. And this is Marie Antoinette-like of Mayor Pete because the average person can't afford a brand new car, certainly can't afford a brand new electric vehicle car if they already have a gas-powered car. This is like saying the way to cure homelessness is for homeless people to just go buy new cars. It's not a viable solution. Mayor Pete is Marie Antoinette in this context. So, Number one best result is we should be subsidizing and encouraging the production of oil and gas in the United States so our money is not leaving the country and going to other countries which are less likely to be supporting American interests. Second best option, Saudi Arabia. Uh, The Biden administration has decided they don't like uh, Saudi Arabia because of the murder 
of the Washington Post journalists. They have tried to uh, isolate Mohammed bin Salman and everyone associated with high levels of the Saudi Arabian government. If we are going to go to foreign countries to purchase oil, the best place we could go is Saudi Arabia. Because Saudi Arabia, while they are not a uh, democratic ally of the United States, they aren't Australia, they aren't uh, Canada, they aren't New Zealand, uh, they aren't England, right, Germany, any of those countries, they are closer to the United States than the rest of these countries I'm going to name. Venezuela is probably our third best option, followed by Iran, which, by the way, we're negotiating to give them the right to basically get nuclear weapons, and also negotiating with Russia on the same side of the table with Iran. And then the fifth best option is Russia. Because otherwise, we are effectively fueling and funding both sides of the war. If we're giving billions of dollars to Ukraine and we are simultaneously also uh, giving hundreds of millions of dollars a week to Russia, we are giving billions of dollars to Ukraine and billions of dollars to Russia, fueling both sides, funding both sides of the Ukraine and Russia conflagration. So what we need to do is stop giving Russia any oil and gas money and replace that either in the United States, Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, or Iran. That is the order in which I would say large oil-producing countries that we could support. Okay, I also want to talk about this. There is a debate right now about whether we should have a no-fly zone or not. The no-fly zone, Marco Rubio, senator from Florida, said if we implement it, effectively could create World War III because then we might have to shoot down uh, Russian jets. That's what a no-fly zone would require. But what I'll point out here is we are now talking about helping Poland get jets and putting Ukrainians into those jets, okay? Ukrainian pilots into jets that would be in Poland. How is the immediate result of that not going to be Russia bombing Poland to try to wipe out the jets that would otherwise take off and come into Ukrainian airspace and fight them. If you were Vladimir Putin, leave aside anything other than tactics. And if Poland was going to be giving Ukraine jets, wouldn't your goal be to fly into Poland and eliminate those jets while they're still on the ground rather than allow Ukrainian pilots to take off in Poland and take those jets into Ukraine to fight a aerial battle with your Russian uh, MiG fighters? To me, giving jets out of Poland and allowing them to fly into Ukraine creates the possibility that Russia is going to expand the war theater beyond Ukraine into Poland and argue in the process the reason why we are expanding and starting to drop bombs in Poland is because we don't want those Ukrainians to be able to get into the jets in Poland and bring them into Ukraine. Just be careful. In other words, what I'm saying is the expansion of the larger conflagration here seems like it could occur based on jets in Poland. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. Brittany Griner, speaking of Russia, Brittany Griner, who's won a couple of gold medals, formerly, I believe, a Baylor women's basketball player. I'm not an expert, but I think she was a Baylor women's basketball player. Now in the NBA, she's been arrested. Uh, for allegedly having a hash product, something associated with weed, in Russia. And she was arrested like a month ago, and the news is just now coming out. This has the potential to be an incredible mess for United States and uh, Russian relations because I can see athletes, justifiably, asking how in the world Brittany Griner is going to be imprisoned in Russia And the United States is not going to do anything to try to free her. She is a relatively well-known basketball player. One of the best-known women's basketball players, I would say, in the world. Just keep an eye on this story because it's somewhat of a sports story right now. But it has the potential to grow into a larger international incident as this story develops. Just pay attention to it. Uh, Much less serious. Congrats. Reportedly... Kirk Herbstreet is going to Amazon to call Thursday night NFL football games. Remains to be seen who he'll be paired with. There's been some discussion that Al Michaels could be hired. Also discussion that Al Michaels could be going to Monday night football and potentially working with uh, Troy Aikman who is leaving Fox to go to Monday night football. I love the hire. If you've watched Kirk Herbstreet on Monday Night Football, he has done a good job alongside of Chris Fowler in the past when he's called NFL games. Obviously, he is familiar with many of the top NFL players based on calling college football. I think it will be a great hire. He will still continue to do college game day and call big games for college football. But I think it's a smart move by Amazon. There will not be any negative impact Uh, I don't believe, from him doing those Thursday night football games. Puts more work on Kirk Herbstreet's uh, uh, table, on his uh, his responsibilities. But I think Herbstreet is the smoothest at calling uh, games almost out there over the last generation or so. Uh, I think he'll do a fantastic job on Thursday night football. I think it's a really good hire for Amazon. A couple of other uh, factors here worth discussing. Florida has come out And they have said that they don't believe kids need to get the COVID shot. This is Florida's Joseph Latipo, I believe. Let me make sure I'm getting his name right here uh, because I think he deserves a lot of credit. Uh, The Surgeon General of the state of Florida uh, came out and said that it is not necessary uh, for all kids to go get there to go get the COVID shot. Yes, Joseph Latipo, Harvard Med School graduate. Uh, This is what I've been saying for a long time. The data doesn't reflect that kids are under substantial risk from COVID. In fact, I tweeted this out over the weekend. I don't know how many of you saw this, but I thought it was pretty substantial in terms of the overall impact. Your kids are far more likely to die in cars, buses, driving around on roads than they are from COVID. Think about this. If your kid is under the age, this isn't just kids, by the way, if you are under the age of 34, 
you are far more likely, nearly twice as likely or more, to die of car accident deaths than you are to die of COVID. Let me repeat that. If you are under, I'm, I'm defining kids broadly here. A lot of you out there are 34 or younger. If you are 34 or younger, you are more likely to die in a car accident than you are to die from COVID, according to the CDC data. Uh, this is looking at land transportation accidents over the past several years and comparing it to COVID deaths. And if your kids are young, I'm talking about 14 or younger, there's basically a 0% chance that they are going to die with COVID. So I've said this before. I am not getting the COVID shot for my 7-year-old. I'm not getting the COVID shot for my 11-year-old. I'm not getting the COVID shot for my 14-year-old. I am not personally getting the COVID shot. I've already had COVID twice. I had the alpha version back in November of 2020. And then I got the COVID remix version, uh, the Omicron, in January. Both of them, zero issues for me. Now, as you can well see, I'm a 42-year-old man. The picture, pure specimen of health, six foot, 185. There are few people in America that look more ravishingly healthy than me. By the way, that's a joke. Uh, but I am six foot, 185, all right? Probably need to lose 10 pounds or so, trim up a little bit for the beach body for the summer. Going down to Florida, by the way, on Thursday. Uh, try to get back down to 175. I was 167 when I graduated from uh, college. I was six foot 167 when I graduated from college at the age of 22. So over the last 20 years, I've put on, you know, roughly 17, 18 pounds, sitting at 185 right now. But I got down to like 175 during COVID. I've kind of been within hailing distance. I need to get back down to 180, 175. That's kind of my, my peak weight, I think. At, at least peak weight that I could get to. I probably should be like 165 or 167 again. But that's unlikely to happen to be college age and healthy. Uh, I'm just too busy. But point on this is that Florida now is coming out and actually saying your kids don't need to get the COVID shot. Credit to Joseph Latipo. Credit to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. This is the right decision. It's what all the data supports and they are making the right call as it pertains to whether or not you need to go get the COVID shot. Uh, finally, today is National Cereal Day. Uh, we had a little discussion about this with Clay and Buck. I am a big fan of cereal. If you have young kids, uh, you will dive back into the cereal universe. We didn't have a lot of cereal in our house uh, until we had kids. Kids are cereal obsessives. My number one draft pick, number one draft pick for cereal, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. All right? I've tried a lot of cereals over the years. I like the Frosted Mini Wheats. I like basically everything. Fruit Loops, Frosted Flakes. Uh, Frosted Flakes is probably my number two, uh, depending on how exactly everything is going. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, number one. Frosted Flakes, number two. That's my uh, number one, number two, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, but I appreciate that many people have all sorts of different opinions. It is National Cereal Day. I'm about to tweet out my number one and my number two draft picks. You can let me know which ones you would be picking. But if you have kids, likely to be a lot of cereal in the household. That is what kids are all in for. 
Uh, and so I try them all now. I've said for years, one of the great things about becoming a dad or a mom is you recognize that you left behind certain foods which are incredible and you circle back to them and you're like, why did I ever stop eating that? I'll give you two. I should have never stopped eating peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich is incredible. Why in the world do adults stop eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? I would never have thought about the PB&J until my kids start eating it again. And then I'm like, man, this Sam, what an incredible combo. Why did I ever stop eating this? The other one, mac and cheese. Kids, no matter who your kids are, they'll eat PB&J, they'll eat mac and cheese, probably eat chicken tenders and pizza. That's like the quad, the Mount Rushmore of kid foods. Those four, just about every kid out there will eat. PB&J, mac and cheese, chicken tenders, and the cheese pizza. Cheese pizza, pizza, you can be, you know, pepperoni pizza. Got to have those four on the kids' menu. There's virtually no kid in America that'll turn down one of those four foods. Keep eating the chicken tenders. Keep eating the pizza my whole life. I think that's a staple of the sports bar. Like, I've never actually left there. But man, why did I ever stop eating PB&J? Why did I ever stop eating mac and cheese? If you don't have kids and you're watching this right now, you're listening to it, and you have stopped, go back and try those again and you're going to say, my God, Clay's right. I was an idiot. Why did I ever stop this? Uh, I love all of you. I will be live Tuesday. I'll be live Wednesday. And then I'm headed down to Florida Thursday. Going to be out in Vegas next week for the NCAA tournament, doing a couple of cool events there. Appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. By the way, those of you out there, some people say, what does that mean? Don't be a pussy. DBAP, don't be a pussy. But sometimes be a pussy SBAP. What do I mean by that? If you didn't listen to the show for a long time, somebody says, hey, go swim across this crocodile-infested river. Don't be a pussy. Do it. You should respond. No, no, no. SBAP. Sometimes be a pussy. Analyze risk intelligently. Don't allow yourself to be called out all the time. General life rule, don't be a pussy. Subset to that life rule, sometimes be a pussy. I love all of you. I am Clay Travis. This has been Outkick the Show. As I say, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. See you guys tomorrow.